It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And ASU beat another interim coach, beat him so bad they fired the uh, actual coach. <laughs> that's so. right. That's right. That was the last draw. Mm-hmm. Losing to ASU, I guess, does it. But, uh, but uh, hey, it, it, uh, as I said just before you push record, it's a, it's a win that felt very exciting because of how we, how we won it. And yet I, I don't, you know, I kept telling myself over the last uh, 24, 36 hours, however long it's been, don't be that fan that just glosses over the bad because they they won. I'm glad they won, but it, it wasn't the, the greatest performance I've ever seen by any means. Uh, let's start with the good uh, offensive player of the week for the second week in a row, Rashad White. Carried Absolutely the team. Carrying over... us for two weeks in a row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great again. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, over 200 yards of total offense for the second week in a row. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically just giving him the ball all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, our, our three-headed running back has kind of faded into a dominant running back and two guys who can spell him. Uh, now, those other two guys are, are sophomores, theoretically. you got to say that about everyone. We'll be back next year, and, and I don't think White will be. Um, and, and so, you know, you know, you'll hope to see more of them. We, we kind of texted a little about Trainum, and Trainum's had a little, little bit of a disappointing season, I would say. Not bad, but certainly not great. But, boy, White has really stepped up in these last two games. He's, he's become the focal point on offense, and, and uh, thank goodness, because there hasn't been much else good on offense, but he's carried us. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been really quite something to watch the regression of Jaden Daniels' passer this year, and I think well, if we're yeah. going to talk negative about the offense, yeah. it, it starts there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we I hate to be you know that guy who you know like oh let's talk about how bad Daniels you know or spend too much time on the negative, but man, I mean, it was really eye opening as this game went along. You and I were texting a lot through the fourth quarter how unwilling they were to call pass plays and i know it was raining and i know washington has a good defense and those two things are are important i'm not not uh you know saying they don't matter at all but gosh dang i mean a game that we were down down on the scoreboard for every offensive snap we took right yeah i mean every single offensive snap because we had the lead and we scored the pick six Mm -hmm. going by 11 so so literally every time we took an offensive snap, we were down. We called what nineteen passes, ten completions, less than a hundred yards passing, and two to wide receivers. That's unbelievable. Two completions to wide receivers for eight yards. Well, and when you talk about you know like we did last week, the receiving core, and that that's supposed to be a strength. And I know that Andre Johnson and Johnny Wilson are out with injuries, but. Yeah, Bunkley, Shelton, Badger, Pearsall, you know, nothing, if, nothing. Yeah. I mean, what's happened to Bunkley Shelton this year? And like, I mean, we've, we've kind of just like taken for granted that like, oh, okay, he's steady. Well, he, no catches for him. I don't recall him. I don't know what he had against USC. I don't recall many, um, uh, you know, he's kind of disappeared. Uh, I mean, it just, I don't know. Is it, is it Daniels? Is it coaching? Is it, poor development of these receivers uh, it, maybe it's a combination of all those things i don't know but man i mean uh, passing game has just become a weakness i 
let's say this. I never expected at the start of the year that it would feel like to come back in a game that we'd have to work around our passing game. Basically call plays around a bad passing game to come back and win a game, which is what happened in that game on Saturday. Well, that drive, and Haller wrote the story about it, the drive to yeah. to cut the lead from 10 to 3, um, 20 plays overwhelmingly on the ground, and the yeah. and the plays in the air went to white. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a great drive. It was a fantastic drive. It, it was. It was. I mean, now, I, I was bickering about it during the drive because it seemed that we were moving very slowly down two scores and unwilling to pass the ball. Now, it turned out it worked. We, we forced a three and out, and then we we put together a, you know, what, less than two-minute drive, again, with no pass plays, which is unbelievable. If I'm a Washington fan, I am pulling my hair out at the fact that you let a team come back from 10 down by barely passing the ball in the fourth quarter. Well, at a certain um, point, didn't you expect them to just bring nine in the box and, yeah, they and, and just say they like, okay, if you want to try to throw over the top, you, Daniels hasn't really been successful doing that all year. Right, uh, right. Know. Yeah, I mean, they did not take away the run game at all. So, I mean, I'm looking at the play-by-play. We get it We get it starting with 1443 on that 20-minute drive. So, very start of the fourth quarter, take nine minutes off the clock, we score. And then the, then the drive, you know, we get it under four minutes, and it's a run, a run, a run, a run, a run, a quarterback run, a quarterback run, which were both called quarterback runs, not quarterback scrambles, and then another run. Like, mm-hmm. man, as a, as a Washington fan, I would be dumbfounded at how that happens. And, and I will say this, you know, after saying that Daniels has regressed as a passer, he, he still runs well. He's a good runner. And he's yeah, actually improved yeah. at that. He doesn't take big hits anymore Agreed. for the most part. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a good runner and he's a threat in that. I mean, he, I mentioned that after we talked about USC and how he really didn't have much of a second half, but he had a big run on the drive that pretty much sealed the game. Um, and, and he is a good runner. I just, you know, I know we said it, we say it every week, it feels like, but, you know, we were, we were billed more than... I'm trying to think of a good comp for him, a, a you know, Denard Robinson type. Yeah. I mean, Denard Robinson was more electric as a runner. He was an incredible runner, you know, but, but yeah. we were billed that he was going to be more than that. Where like, okay, this guy's strength is he's a good runner and his passing is sort of, eh, you know, maybe he hits a big play because the defense is lulled into thinking all we do is run. And that's kind of what our offense has become, except without many of the big pass plays. Yeah. Hey, we, we run to set up the run. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Denard Robinson. Uh, I'm thinking JT Barrett, and JT Barrett, you know, was was a, a you know part of a national championship team. He's better than Daniels, but but you know, Barrett was never a great passer. He was a he was a really good runner, and he could pass off of it. And they had an offense that that had that as what it was supposed to do. Daniels was supposed to be more than that. I I thought he's well, not. And they still talk and, about that. That he's yeah, they, they talk about it as if he is better, and they right, it's right. one of those this not. is one of those yeah. things where like the sample size is too large for this to be a fluke anymore, right? Right, um, right. but and he it, you know, but he did have a couple runs, he had he had some big runs on those last couple drives. He did, he did. I told you, I texted you after the game, it wasn't until his run that got us to the 10 yard line with under two minutes to go that I actually thought we were gonna win that game or could win. I mean, I, the first time I checked the score, we were already down seven nothing. 
Mm-hmm. Then I checked, and it was 14 nothing after their second drive, and it felt like it was Washington State all over again. It felt like we were going to get rolled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we hung in, and I, I, I mean, I texted you at the start of the half and said, this feels like a game we'll have a bunch of chances to get back in, but we never will. And it kind of felt that way for most of the second half. And mm-hmm. somehow we won. So, I, you know, and, and credit him, credit White, credit the defense. We got to, you know, we should spend some time talking about them. They, they kept us in it after two bad drives to start. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it just like, boy, I, th- I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Well, I think let's pivot over to the defense. So they're without like four safeties by, yeah. by the second quarter. Right. Um, right. And they just answered the bell. Uh, you know, I, I saw that it was a feature of Herm's press conference today, but Darian Butler has just yeah. done everything you could ask for. Um, yeah. Yeah, agreed. You know, he's been very impressive for for you know his entire career here, basically. Well, and, it's and funny because do you do you like do you ever think that if they had come in with the reverse hype, Butler and Robertson, that we'd feel this way about Robertson? Because like Robertson had the pick Probably. six, Robertson Probably. had the splash play, but it just feels like everything Butler does is so technically sound. Right. He's he's a right. Right. he's a more athletically gifted Mike Nixon. Oh, uh, sure. He's a For bigger sure. Lyumo. He's a bigger, healthier Lyumokiola, yes. and more and more durable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, Robertson and Daniels. I mean, it, it, it was several weeks ago we were talking, and I even I think I said, you know, Robertson's career or Daniels' career is starting to mirror Robertson's, and it kind of feel like maybe we're holding him to too high of expectations. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, for both of them, their careers feel like disappointments because they were built to be so great. If they come in as three-star recruits, we'd probably be looking at them and think, you know, uh, multiple-year starters, very solid players, but they were supposed to be better than that, and they haven't quite been. But, you know, it happens. Um, if but, I were, yeah, you're right. If I were an NFL person, not a scout because I don't know what I'm yeah. looking for. But if I was like <laughs> one of the guys who is part of the decision tree on a yeah. draft process, I would ask myself why it is that Butler keeps getting named captain but not Robertson on defense. Yeah. Well, and and I I do absolutely believe teams look at that. I mean, I, I you know I I think leadership and and those type of things, what your teammates think of you. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what scouts go on the road and do not, you know, yeah, they look at the, how you run the 40 and all that, but they, they talk to equipment managers and they talk to, you know, the, the bottom of the roster guys and they, you know, they try to get a feel for guys and, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think Butler's Butler's ceiling, well, maybe not ceiling, realistic ceiling in the NFL is, is a really good special teamer and a backup linebacker, yeah um, which there's nothing wrong with. But, you know, and and, yeah. if, and maybe he becomes one of those guys who is an overachieving starter. Yeah. Where you're like, well, I mean, wow, his, I can't believe it. His you know? unrealistic ceiling is like Sean Lee. A, yes. a guy yeah. who's just there all the time because yeah. he's just, like, you can't get him off the field because he's the only guy Correct. who knows where everyone's supposed Correct. to line up. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I would say that would be an uh, unbelievably high-end, um, yeah. you know, I mean... You know, but I think I, he, I, I think he has now progressed to the point where he could catch on somewhere, which I don't sure. think you would have thought coming in. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, but I, I, mean, but I, I think I, he I think probably should a, come back. I 
think he probably should. Now, he am, am I remembering right? He and Robertson are technically seniors, but they could come back for another year because of last year, right? Right. So they are both four-year starters. Right, right. Okay, okay. So, I mean, I guess the thing for Butler is, you know, he's probably not a he's not a first. Oh no, or even I take it back. Pick. Are they Daniels's class? They might be Jane Daniels's class. They might be third year sophomores. Are they? Well, here, let me look. I don't. I'm gonna. I'm, look gonna, I'm gonna look. But if it breaks the podcast recording again, I, well, I'll do it. I'll do it. I oh got, no, he's I a, got the phone. Uh, technical senior. Okay, because Robertson was draft eligible last year. Yeah, that's what I was remembering. And and they came in the same class, right? He and he and Butler. Yeah. So Butler's a fourth year starter. Okay. Okay. So I mean, I guess the question for Butler is sort of like sometimes we talk about basketball players. Like, does coming back improve his stock at all? Probably not. He's, he's not going to be, be any taller than six feet. Right. Right. He's still going to be undersized. Um, you know, now if he if he comes back. Could you accomplish something? Well, knowing what we think we know about the state of ASU, probably not next year. I mean, I hate, you know, I, I'm not giving up on next season before there's reason to give up on next season, but still, like, well, you we know, don't have anyone on the roster. No, it doesn't appear that, like, right now, it's not like saying, well, you know, you're not going to improve your stock, but boy, you could win a Rose Bowl. Like, probably not. You never know. Possible. Well, we're still on. There's still an outside shot this year of a Rose Bowl appearance. I think now we have to root for Oregon to to run the table to sweep Utah and beat them both times. Yeah, I was thinking that too. In fact, interesting you brought that up because I was thinking about that. How does it? I mean, I don't know if you know if if Oregon runs the table, beats Utah this week, beats them again in the conference title game. Utah probably finishes unranked. I'm guessing we do too. Who do they take? Do they take the loser of the conference title game, or, or I, can they take? Whoever I they actually want? think it's the Bulls' discretion. Is it the Bulls? Because it's okay. because I think it it goes back to the um, that technically aren't the Bull tie-ins not by top spot, but by first pick of a Pac-12 well, team. They are, but not for the New Year Six. The New Year Six is is based on the rankings. Like I'm I'm almost certain that. They have to take the highest ranked Pac-12 team that isn't in the playoffs. So if Oregon makes the playoff and there's a second team ranks, they got to take them. But if it's not Utah, I don't think there's going to be a second team ranked. Well, I mean, what if you know, we win out and we're nine and three? You think we get in the top twenty-five? I mean, maybe we do get we to get, twenty-five. Do we get? 20? I mean, well, do they try to just clarify it to make the Rose Bowl look better well, by by ranking someone? Maybe, and and there's been. I know there's been discussion of that. I think it was maybe last year or the year before that Clemson was, you know, ran away with the ACC and made the playoff. And they ran, I can't remember who it was, but I remember the last ranking had an ACC team ranked like 23. And I remember even reading like, yeah, they probably did that so that there was no embarrassment of the ACC not having a ranked team in the New Year Six. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they probably would, you know. And, And so, yeah, I mean, we're sitting there. If we win both, we would probably be the the most likely candidate. I mean, Washington State's got five losses now. Oregon State's got four losses and would have another under this scenario because yeah. they lose to Oregon. And uh, to us. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. They'd have to, yeah, you're right. God. Um, you know, and and UCLA, best, they're going to finish as 8-4. Mm-hmm. We'd have, you know, we'd have a better record than them and head to head. So we have a better yeah. regular season record <laughs> than Utah, but we'd lose the head to head. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, but yeah, I mean, Utah having two non-conference losses, and if they were to lose both to Oregon, mm-hmm. now, I, I don't think they're going to, I mean, I've been saying this week after week, and Oregon keeps winning, so they, they're getting close to, to making me look foolish, but I just don't think Oregon's winning out. And I think this is the week that it's most likely to see them lose at Utah. Yeah. But they're, you know, they've dodged several bullets that I thought were in front of them. They beat UCLA on the road. They beat Washington State. They beat Washington on the road. So it's like, well, maybe they are going to. I, I still don't believe in them. I still don't think they're really a top four team in the country. But if they win out, they're going to the playoff. I mean, I think that's a given. Oh, yeah. Given where they're ranked right now. So. Well, and the quality of that Ohio State win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the four teams, and they can't all win out, but the four teams that are top four right now are the only ones that I would say, if they win, if they run the table the next three weeks, they're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I'll throw this in as we're talking playoff. Is Georgia in? If I mean, if they beat Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech, which you'd think they would, are they in regardless? I think so, right? Yeah. I think you. I mean, would... if they if they go twelve and zero and lose in the SEC title game, are they still not a top four team in the country? I think they are based on the whole season. Yeah. Well, I mean, look who they're going to lose to if they lose right. in the SEC title game. It would game. be very likely Alabama. Alabama needs one more win to now, clinch the West. So, now, what I yeah. will say is, if they go to the SEC title game and just get pasted by Alabama, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that's the one I was going to say. I suppose if, you know, if they lose by five touchdowns or something, that could change things. But even still, like you know. They, they would have gone through the regular season SEC undefeated and really untested. I mean, they, they never they never played a close game in the SEC. Um, and if we believe the SEC is as tough as they say, now they admittedly play in the weaker division. Yeah, and that that matters. But still, like you know, to go eight zero and never really have a a close call, pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we'll I don't know I don't know we'll see we're getting we're getting away from ASU. I know ASU is not in the playoff mix. But you're right. I, I thought about that, too, today, actually, that, like, Oregon makes the playoff. The Rose Bowl has to take a Pac-12 team. And if Utah's 8-5, which they would be in that scenario, like, and we're 9-3, and we'd probably go ahead of them, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. And then get absolutely whacked by Michigan or Michigan State, probably. Yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'd probably be, like, 20-point underdogs in that scenario. Yeah, but if it's Michigan, we'll at least get to see a lot of highlights of our one Rose Bowl. True, win. true, true. The, for, the forgotten be. Rose Bowl team. The the, the only right. team in the history of the school to win the Rose Bowl. But gets totally, totally overshadowed by 96. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is kind of crazy when you think about it. But I think the the thing that hurts that 86 team, they, they, didn't they tie against Arizona? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that always, like... They went in, limping in, and, and the 96 team has that Nebraska win. The mm-hmm. Nebraska win trumps everything from those two seasons, really. Yeah, true. I'm just, I, I, just, I just expressed the oh, irony. You're right. You're right. I mean, I'm not arguing it at all. It's it's the Nebraska win, and it's also the, the personalities of that team, the Tillman and the and Plummer. The 86 mm-hmm. team doesn't have anybody like that that is like a, an all-time ASU legend. I mean, well, Van Rapport is on the radio, but he's not as much of a legend as Jake Plummer. Yeah. Well, and he's the only one who's, like, around the program. Right. The other right. guys I mean, come back. They, you know. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'll be honest. Could you name anybody else that 100% for sure was on the 86 team? No. I can't. 
And I only know Van Rappers because he does radio. If mm. Van Rappers wasn't our color commentator, I'm not sure I'd know him. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but yet 96 has Tillman and Plummer right away come to mind. Derek mm-hmm. Rogers, I think, was the defensive you know player of the year that year. Mm-hmm. Like, there's Juan Roque was an All-American. I mean, there's, there's stars that are associated with that team. 86 doesn't really have that for one reason or another. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway. So, yeah, we, we potentially could be the third Rose Bowl team, as crazy as that sounds. But, man, I, that still requires us to win the next two. And I, I don't know. Do you feel great about that? I don't. I, I don't. Um, Arizona's playing better. They are. And, and, and we know that Oregon State is a different team at home. And we know that us going to Oregon State in November is usually a house of horrors. Yeah, and I have not looked at the weather in Corvallis, but I bet it's going to be worse than the weather in Tempe this week. Probably, probably, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, it always is. It's going to be cold. There's it, it, a pretty it, good chance of rain. Yeah, I was going to sure. say, it's likely to be wet as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be similar to this game that we played this this last week, I think. And, and now, you know, the formula ended up working. We ran the ball a lot. And obviously, we went up there last year in December, and ran the ball all over them in a game that didn't matter at all. But still, you know, there's there's good history there. Um, we went there two years ago late in the year and beat them, didn't we? Yeah. Haven't we gone there three this, years in a row? So yeah. This is our third trip there. Look, if we... Yeah. It, it seems simple to say. <laughs> if Rashad White can run for a couple hundred yards again, we're, we'll win the game. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. You know, but uh, it does... It almost feels like that is... That's what requirement. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't trust our passing game. And again, our, our running back depth, I don't want to say it's been bad. I mean, and God has been decent in spurts Rarely and called upon. had some nice moments. Yeah. But yeah, not a ton. Well, what happened was the game white missed. Yes. It, it all of a sudden, I think clicked for Zach Hill that the, these are not interchangeable parts that that white is the superior back um, yeah yeah feels that way and it's, it's been a you know again kind of kind of lost in the shuffle it didn't hit me until i was watching saturday night but not a not a spectacular year for Trainum, and i expected more but he got hurt early didn't he miss yeah didn't he missed like um unlv and byu games if i remember yeah. right yeah, and and then he's had the fumble issues. He fumbled against USC and never saw the field again. He fumbled against Washington State on the on the first drive, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. it his fumble? Kind of set the tone right away, you know. So it's just been like one of those years from 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 Jump Street that like just hasn't gone well for him. Hopefully, just one of those like you know you get injured and you have a couple key mistakes and and you, then next year he comes back strong. But who knows, man? I mean, I, like we thought that about Merlin Robertson and hasn't quite happened um we also don't know who's going to be on this team next year yeah well that's the like, great mystery of the offseason is yeah you know we yeah. could have a we could have a sun devil basketball like team we turnover we could yeah yeah i mean i think uh you know the portal's going to be an attractive option for us to get players but it's also probably going to be an attractive option for our current players was well, you suggested um, and- uh Johnny Wilson staying seems unlikely at this point. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny Wilson potentially ever playing for ASU again? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with him. Like, I mean, it, it was supposed to be a hamstring injury, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. When he first went out, 
Now, granted, a hamstring injury, they come in various severities, but he's been out since UCLA, right? That yeah. was the first game he missed? Yeah. So that's one, two, three, that's six weeks now? That's a lot. Uh, I mean... Well, and not really a lot of talk about him coming back. Not a bit. Not a bit. You know, it's not um, like and, uh, you know, Chase Lucas watch, where... No, you know, no. Yeah, he's just been forgotten, which is... I don't know. It, it might be a bow on on just a kind of a disappointing career. I mean, given the hype, God, he was he was as hyped as you know Nikhil Harry was as far as a high school recruit for us, and it's just not happened. But you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Maybe the but, way you sell him is uh, I don't know who his high school quarterback was, but yeah, they bring yeah, that kid in for, as a potential that's starter a next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, we. We, I've been texting with you, I know, about Bijan Robinson and whether he could transfer, and I think it certainly possibly could. And, you know, anybody on our roster who has, you know, big aspirations, if things go south and the coaching staff, you know, gets canned or resigns or whatever, I mean, and, and that ability to go play right away, I mean, it's just it's such a game changer. You used to, I mean, transfers were always a thing. It's not a new thing, but... I mean, normally with a guy like Trainum, you'd say, well, okay, does he really want to sit out a year? You know, if he thinks he can play in the NFL, he wants to come back and have his last year here. And not so, now, he, now that's not a, a, a factor at all. Yeah. I, although you would think that between him and Nada, one or both would stay. I hope so. Because I mean, White's gone. So you, right. you know, assuming right. Hill's back, you've got familiarity with the system. Right. And right. a clear yeah. path to starting. For sure. For sure, you know, and I mean, we're not afraid think, to run the ball. <laughs> I think much of that depends on the on the coaching staff and the decision that gets made. And I mean, we're we're kind of approaching. I know the season is still underway, but I I thought of this, you know, last week. Like, gotta we gotta know pretty soon after the season what we're doing. And I, and I think that I mean that starts with Crow and then down to Anderson. Like, if you're gonna move on from Herm and Pierce and this staff, you got to pull the plug fast. You yeah, don't pull the plug in March. Yeah, because things like, are already moving. I, you know, this right. is the the momentum. Soon you're going to be firing your coach now for for next season. But yes, but yes. It, it, but what's happening? You know, you've seen it. Like three or four schools have already filled places. Clay yeah. Helton's been fired and yeah. has a new job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's why. I mean, and and it's. I really believe the early signing period is what has changed the dynamic completely. I think the early signing period was a good good thought, but the unintended consequence is. You know, if you're going to fire a coach at the end of the season, you think, well, I might as well do it in October. Then I can get a hire and then I can try to salvage that signing period. Now, for us, that's probably out the window anyway. But what I'm thinking is, is the transfer market. You know, you want to you want if you're going to get guys who will come here for a year. And that may be what you're looking at is guys who are looking to play one year. Yeah, something, you know, something like that. And, And at all different positions. You've got to at least let them know, okay, here's who you're going to be playing for. If you want to be active in that market, and you this team almost has to be, then it's got to be, okay, you're playing for Herm. We're sticking by Herm, and this staff's coming back, and we'll evaluate after 2022 again. Or, no, we're, we're done. We're moving on. We're hiring whoever. Billy Napier? I love guy. the Billy Napier idea. I mean, it's it's attractive. I don't, I don't know if... If we could really do, I mean, got to think he's going to have other opportunities. And, and something it's not in like the he's south. A, what's that? Something in the south too. Exactly. Exactly. And I was, that's what I was saying. Like, 
he's not a he's not an Arizona guy. He was here, but it's not like he's a you know ASU alum or a local product or something where where the appeal of ASU is going to be like oh, I can't say no. I mean, you know, he's probably going to have opportunities at SEC or ACC if he wants them. Yeah, no, he can say no. So I I, I, I mean, you know, I I like the possibility, but I don't know. Unless unless his time here, which he was only here one year, right? Yeah. I mean, unless his, his one year at ASU was just magical, and, and in his mind he thinks, man, I, I loved it there. I would jump at the chance to go back. And maybe so. Yeah. I love it here. And, uh, you know, but I don't, I don't know. If maybe you're next in feeling. line. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how bad things get, I, you know, maybe they'll call me. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we, if we really get hammered hard, but, uh, but I'm not sure we're going to. You know, the more I more I think about it, like, does the does the NCA wield that hammer anymore? Like, I mean, I know they put Oklahoma State on the one year probation, and uh, you know that was probably a or, or postseason ban. That was probably an overreaction. But I don't know. I just I kind of feel like you know, if you if you still believe in Herman, the staff keep him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know if you should. Well, do I'm you? Sure you should believe in them, but if you do, don't don't run. You know, just keep them and and wait. Well, so here's the test. Here's my question. Everyone supports Hawkins. The recruits still tag Hawkins. Right. right. Are you so bold then that you bring Hawkins or Gill or Brenneman back? I don't know. Do you I say to the NCAA, look, they they were suspended for a year. Yeah. You, you didn't do anything. We're bringing them you back. didn't do anything. We're bringing them back. I mean, you know, I, the... You can be that bold. I don't know if ASU will be, but I mean, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Look at LSU basketball. Mm-hmm. The fact that, that Will Wade is still their coach and year after year after year has gone by now where he's still their coach and, and you know, it doesn't like there's no, there's no even like room to maneuver like, oh, he's going to get fired tomorrow. No, I don't think so. So if you want to be that bold, you can be now. Does, does Crow ultimately have the stomach to do that? I don't know. I mean, it kind of appears he was the guy that started this process of putting these guys on leave, and he fancies himself a rule follower. Um, you know, so I don't know if he will, but yeah, you could. I'll tell you the weirdest thing is I'm a rule follower, but I also got offended when you said, like, Crow's a rule follower. It's like, well, come on. <laughs> let's try to win some well, games. You know, what it, what it is, I think, is is do you respect the rules? And and in the, in the NCAA, I just think it's very hard to respect the rules, even the ones that make sense, because so many of them don't. That for me, at least, it's it's very hard to be like, you know, well, but that one you really got to respect. Now I know we're in, you know one of the biggest things that we're accused of is is the you know bringing guys in on visits during the COVID ban, but I also am not naive enough to think we were the only place, or even in a small minority of places, that did that. No, we which just, might that, the, which it, might be the dumbest about it. I, well, and I'll throw this out there. It was alluded to in Thamel's reporting and Haller's reporting, but the coaches broke the Omerta, you know, yes. the fired yes. coaches, probably Kevin Mawai, yes. uh, based on what we know now. And, yeah. and the fact that the line coach came from Indy and immediately turned around and went back to Indy. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. But, you know. That I'm sure other people did it, and I'm sure other coaches got fired, but you just keep your mouth shut if you want yeah. another college job. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, that's one of those things that maybe years from now we'll get, we'll get more inside detail of, of why some of these coaches felt the need to speak out because you're right. I mean, the general, the general MO of a college coach is, you know, you don't talk about where you were before. You don't mm-hmm. give away their secrets. You don't accuse them of, of bad behavior. No, um, and if you're because... going to do anything, you you do the Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, like, it's teasing. Right. It's tongue-in-cheek. Right. He, everyone exactly. knows that Saban rebuilt his career. Right, right, yeah. yeah. But you but you don't, you know, I mean, it's very, very rare. I can't think of another example where a, a, a jettisoned coach or coaches have been the reason for a team getting in trouble. I mean, it's usually it's players, players or their families or something that they, they roll over and they say, Hey, you know, I was offered this or I was given this. And then it leads to a, a snowball. I, I mean, I can't think of any now. Sure. There are one or two in the, in the history of, you know, NCAA investigations, but it doesn't happen often. So was it, was it the, you know, Antonio Pierce that, that just, rub these guys so much the wrong way that they just felt they had to speak up. That seems to be the working theory yeah. is that, you know, he was such a, uh, you know, cancer that, that these guys felt they had to speak up, I guess. And, and maybe he is, I don't know. Well, at, at a minimum, it seems like a consensus has built around the idea that Herm handed this to Pierce yeah, and the yeah. culture around the team, the culture of the coaching staff, really has nothing to do with her. Right, and, I and, think you're right. And, yeah. and some of the guys who got pushed out, specifically Mawai Hagen, I don't know, but Mawai yeah. came in because of Herm. His relationship right. was Herm. Right, and so maybe his frustration at you know feeling stabbed in the back, yeah, maybe, well, or, or just or just forgotten. You know, like, yeah. hey, I, I came here with, I mean, there was like the unspoken promise that I'm going to be a, a, an analyst. And when Dave Christensen retires, it's my job. That was, that was, I mean, the feeling, it was never officially announced, but that's how it felt. And, and for that not to be, and, and was that because of Pierce? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like we're, we're filling in gaps. We don't know, but was that because Pierce said, we can't have this guy on staff. He doesn't do what we want. And, and, you know, and so was that the. Was that the impetus? Maybe, uh, maybe so. Yeah, the the one that's the the big mystery to me is Hagen because Hagen's an ASU yeah. guy. None of these yeah. other guys are ASU guys. No, no, I know. And he was, you know, I mean, like it was like, oh, he's he's, you know, it's going to be great having this young guy on our staff, and and he just kind of got, you know, pushed out, left. I don't know. I don't know what term to use, uh, but you know, just kind of like we moved on from him and. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Burko. Now, I guess Burko got a, a, you know, not an assistant, but he's working for the Cardinals. So maybe that was a step up to work in the NFL. But, you know, he was a ASU, you know, bleed maroon and gold and, and going to be a great addition. And then he wasn't here anymore. It's like there was there's there's a lot there that once you start hearing the reports of staff turmoil starts to make more sense as to like what happened to these guys. One and I'll say also we didn't really get into this, but this my way or the highway attitude almost seems confirmed by the Simone firing. Yes, yes, yes. 
you know. Well, so what do you think of that? I mean, let's 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 discuss that a little. What was your so, thought on that? So Jordan Simone is doing the sideline work. He actually filled in for Van Rappahorst right. for a game as the color guy. He goes on a podcast. I, I can't yeah. remember. Was it Brad Denny's podcast? Uh, I think it was uh, Joe Healy's, ironically enough, because, of course, his dad is the play-by-play guy. But, yeah, I think it was Joe Healy's podcast. So he goes on there, and he and he rips the team and the coaching staff, but but not inaccurately, and, and not, from what I gathered, not using expletives and vulgarities no, or, or anything no. that, like, you don't want your radio voice associated with that. No, so. it wasn't. It wasn't expletive. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't personal. It was. You know. I. I mean, he didn't go on there and say. You know, Herm is a moron, and and the fact you're trusting him. I mean, there was no. You know, there was no racial undertone, which obviously our coaching staff lends itself to that. It could have been, but there was there was none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll say this. I mean, he he said. You know, I mean, this was the quote that I read. These guys are, are, you know, these players don't know that they're being coached so poorly and, and they're being coached out of a championship. That's a pretty strong criticism of a coaching staff. It is. Maybe fair, but if you work for the team, and technically he does, and I, I don't know, like, you know, it's all confusing. Like, is it is it IMG who pays them well? But ultimately, it's the ASU broadcast. Well, and ASU, <laughs> it's the ASU radio network, and right. ASU probably pays i would think so i mean certainly they have decision-making authority if they They wanted healy out healy's out that's just gone exactly yeah and so uh, you know i know the reaction was kind of vitriolic about oh i can't believe you know dan bickley says you know herm edwards needs to fix this and and you know it's you know pete thamel's using it as an example of things spiraling at arizona state which like i don't i don't think this is an example of that myself but you know it's a bad look it's a bad look i guess but i gotta be honest like to me it made now maybe this is maybe this is my history of working you know for team pr i've worked for asu and i work for the cardinals i mean i venture to guess the cardinal sideline guy is is paul calvisi not Mm -hmm. a big fan of his but that's neither here nor there if he went on a podcast today and said the cardinals are poorly yesterday coached. were were you know poorly coached and the coaching staff didn't adjust and these guys you know you can't count on this staff to win when when it matters he wouldn't be the sideline guy next week or ever again yeah because the cardinals wouldn't have it so i'm like you know like i i mean i'm with you that it does sort of that my way of the highway thing yeah well look and i agree with you it is table stakes for the job that you are neutral or a homer but Yes. Your criticism, if it's criticism, needs to be in-game, specific, and right. short. And and couched. Yeah. It's It's got, you know, like he could, I mean, I'm not expecting him to go on that podcast and say, oh, the team is just playing wonderfully after you get beat by Washington State. I mean, I, you know, no. I mean, I, you know, obviously if he's going to go on there, which maybe that's the problem, don't go on there. But if he's going to go on there, you, you've got to be somewhat honest. You can't be like, you know, everything's perfect everything's going wonderful i don't know what you're talking about bad bad performance but you know if you if you allude to the fact that the coaches are overmatched and and you know can't get it done well i mean you i mean jordan simone gets trusted by this staff or at least he did not anymore but i mean the game i worked the first game i worked this year i had the headset on he gets injury updates that he didn't share 
I mean, it, you know, because because they trust he works for the team. So he'd get an injury update. Oh, this guy's got this injury. And all it would be is, you know, well, he's he's got a he's got a back injury. He knew exactly what the injury was. He yelled it up, but they made the decision not to share that on air because the coaches didn't want him to. Mm-hmm. So when you then break that trust by saying these coaches are overmatched, I'm not surprised he got canned. Yeah, I and I guess my point was more the it, it's just another you know f- feather in the cap of people making that argument about the way it this is. staff is run. It I'm is. not, it and, is. and I will go out on a limb and say that. That may be how all staffs are run. I mean, um, that was what yeah. I was going to say. Is is you're right, and it looks bad right now. But I have to say, like I, I started. I mean, I'm kind of changing the the subject we're talking about, but not the overall. Like I started reading this book about um, four these four Big Ten programs. Ohio State was one of them in the 2012 season, and it was the first year Urban Meyer was there. And and the guy talks to Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer, you know, criticize him if you want deserves it but he's a great college coach one of the first quotes he had in that book was you know i i need people on my staff who will do what what i want when i want it they're not going to question me we're all going to be pulling in the same direction that's how a successful staff works i mean that's basically what he said and i'm like well that's not really altogether different from what we're hearing levied at asu right now yeah it's more just a question of is what pierce's staff was angling to do to skirt the rules and, and the rules yeah, sure sure and is and, it and, and that's where the problem yeah obviously because lies because the story core. then becomes well these guys were fired because they didn't want to participate in the culture but the culture was a culture of cheating the culture was breaking the yeah yeah no you're right you're right i mean but but i think that's an important point to make is that it's that and not just well boy it's it's you know everybody has to fall in line well yeah Everybody does have to fall. I mean, that's that's the thing. When you're an assistant coach, you've got to fall in line with what the head coach. Now, maybe that's the problem here is that it's not the head coach setting the tone. It's it's the yeah. assistant head coach, and maybe that's the issue. Uh, I don't know. Though knows, I, I will but, say, to, to further the point and bring it back to Lane Kiffin and Nick yeah. Saban, Kiffin didn't do any of these these things at no. Alabama. There, no, were no, there were no antics. Now, as soon as he got to Florida Atlantic, right, they all right. happened again. Right, right, yes, but, but you're right. I mean, you you know, because Nick Saban is not going to tolerate that. It, you know, he's just not. And Urban Meyer wouldn't when he was a college coach, and Dabo Swinney doesn't. And, I mean, you know, like, if, if you are a successful college head coach, you know, you, you, make, you make sure that everybody on your staff falls in line. Now, again, as I say that, Maybe that's the problem, is that Herm is the head coach, but perhaps it's not Herm setting the tone. Maybe mm-hmm. if Herm set the tone, and the tone was exactly the same, then maybe Kevin Malai would have fallen in line. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe if Herm had said, hey, this is what we're doing, this is how it's going to work, maybe Kevin Malai would have thought, okay, you know, I believe in this guy, and yeah, he's skirting the rules, but he's he's the guy I, I will live and die with. Mm-hmm. But when he lets Antonio Pierce do it, maybe that's why things have have gone south. Yeah, I don't know. I'm totally, we're guessing guessing on that. But you know, like you're right. Kevin Moy came here because of her. Mm-hmm. And if you come here and you you know and you are basically promised a job, and then you feel like, well, hey, the guy that I wanted to work for isn't really running the ship anyway. 
and I don't really much respect this guy who does seem to be running the ship, and he wants me to break the rules. Well, maybe maybe that's why he didn't get the job, and maybe that's why he rolled over on our rule-breaking. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our game picks for Oregon State. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's Oregon State week. Um, it's a house of horrors. Jonathan Smith's a good coach. Yeah. They've, they've improved. I mean, they're going to a bowl for the first time since, what, 2013, I think I saw? Yeah. Now, we did just have a wet weather, cold weather Pacific Northwest game. We did, which helps. And theoretically, white is healthy, which is the only thing that matters offensively. <laughs> Seems like it, yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm going to say this. I think we're going to win 24-21. But if Oregon okay. State scores four touchdowns, we will not win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I said it earlier. You just said it. It's a house of horrors, and yet I believe we've won there the last three or four times we've gone there. I the, know the last two. The problem and is we, the the time that we didn't is the time that right. we all remember. We <laughs> remember, yeah, yeah. And they've been. I mean, not maybe not so much last year, but but the previous they've been really bad. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, you know, well, you, you should win unless you just play horribly. You're going to find a way to win. This is a better team. Got a pretty good quarterback. Uh, defense has not been very good, but they just changed defensive coordinator. So maybe that helps. Um, I I hate to do this, but I think I'm going to pick Oregon State. Okay. Because I just don't feel good about it. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say 34 to 20. Yeah. Well, we're aligned in that if they score. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, I just, I mean, it's it's one of those games that, like, by no means do I look at Oregon State and think, oh, this is like, uh, you know, 2013 Oregon with Marcus Mariota or something like that, where it's like, there's just no way we can win. But I, I just look and I think, they got a pretty good offense. The elements are going to be in their favor. We don't have a pretty good offense. And, and I just, I don't trust our defense to shut them down. Washington's offense stunk and they still scored three touchdowns on us. Um, and so I'm like, I don't know. I just like, here's, I'll be totally honest. And I mean, it'll probably be the same for you. The game's at nine thirty central. We're both going to be in the central time zone. I won't see the end of the game. I'm hoping to see the beginning. I don't really feel very confident at all that when I wake up in the middle of the night, check the score that we're going <laughs> to won that game. I just, I, I don't see it right now. Now there's five days for me to convince myself, but I, I'm not feeling good about that. Yeah. I, it is doubtful. I'll make it past halftime. Um, uh, for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, I got an early flight the next morning in these nine thirty central ones, but Hey, at least good news, bad news. We got a, we got a day start for Arizona. Yeah. That's good news. Bad news. Pac-12 Network. Pac-12 Network. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. But, you know, we might be playing for a Rose Bowl berth on a network no be. one can see. We might be. Yeah. And am I right? This is our first game on Pac-12 since the opener, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We've been Which, on national I, I mean, TV. There. I guess we should be thankful for that, but also it kind of stinks that the Arizona game, of all games, is not on TV for most people. But what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, that's partly due to Arizona, I suppose. Mostly, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure ESPN and Fox aren't clamoring to put a 1-9, maybe 1-10 team by that ten- time on you know a national slot. Yeah. So we get an afternoon kick that yeah. no one will see. Yeah. I mean, 
the other alternative probably would have been, you know, 8.30 our time, 7.30 Pacific on ESPN, buried at, you know, so most people wouldn't have seen that either, I guess. So, you know, yeah. all in all, uh, let's just hope we win. But that's a week away. Agreed. Um, real quick, did you see the John Canzano article about ESPN's coverage of the Pac-12? His column. I I read the headline about five minutes before you called, so I have not read it yet. So it is—is it, it, is, is it worth reading? It's fascinating because it basically ultimately got a minor admission from ESPN that they yeah. that they did have technical issues, but okay. but got a significant amount of information from a camera guy about yeah. about how bad it was. Now I don't know if that camera guy has an axe to grind with ESPN, but I <laughs> yeah. I imagine. Yeah that he is not going to have many more games on the family oh. of networks. Was he on the record or just, Oh yeah. Anonymous? With a name. Okay. We have a name. Okay. Okay. He's a 30 year veteran camera guy. Talked about how they're cutting costs on their, on their low budget mm, games interesting. that they didn't have what they call a stage manager. They didn't get to do a set day where they got to go the day before and work out the kinks. That, wow. that Disney's trying to skimp on these games because they don't think anybody cares about these games. Interesting, interesting. Well, I'll have to read it. Yeah, I, I, I read. I think it was uh, Stuart Mandel had had retweeted it, but I didn't. And he he just kind of had like a sentence about it and said, you know, something something to that effect that it was kind of eye opening about the you know, and it's specifically about Pac twelve games, right? Oh yeah, that's what they were getting at. Yeah, and, and yeah, well, so. and and the the editorial piece of this was one espn doesn't care about the pac-12 but two when klyavkov negotiates the next tv deal yeah that he needs to not just think about who gives us the most money but who will give us the right kind of exposure and i and i totally agree with that yeah you know if our primary deal becomes fox and fs1 you know for our for our marquee A one and A two games, right. right? You know, well, we want the marquee A game to be at you know three thirty. Yeah, and, yeah, and just I agree, I agree. I mean, well, and, and you know for a fact that ESPN is going to give the SEC first priority. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're wrong on that. You know, I mean, I get it, but they are paying big money for exclusivity with the SEC starting in two or three years, I believe. And now SEC, you know, inventory is just going to increase with Texas and Oklahoma being added. And so, you know, they're going to get the marquee slots. And then I, I mean, they've got a, they've got a chunk of the big 10 too. Obviously they share that with Fox, but you know, they get, they get marquee big 10 games all the time. That's going to continue to take priority. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tricky one because ESPN is such an agenda setter in college football, maybe more than any sport. But I, I do feel like we might be well advised to, you know, break, you know, join Fox or go to, you know, get a get a part of a deal with CBS or NBC if they want to add to Notre Dame or CBS wants to replace the SEC. Like, you know, well, get yourself the right exposure, as you said, not just, you know, not just go to ESPN for whatever. Well, and there's a there's a precedent here of WWE Network going right. to Peacock. Put the Pac-12 network on Paramount, and yeah. then you get the CBS marquee CBS. game. 
Maybe yeah. you make a deal yeah. with them that they put, you know, half the weeks, the non-golf weeks or whatever, the post-golf weeks of the season, yeah. you get yeah. the afternoon and the night game. You get yeah. both time slots. Two and then you put slot, yeah. you put Pac-12 yeah. Network on Paramount so then people yeah. like you and me can get it regardless of our service provider. Right, right, right. No, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, you're, it's a good point. Now, you would think on the surface that the, the, the group that's going to pay you the most would also give you the most exposure, but that may not necessarily be the case. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's more important to raise the profile of the conference than just get, get a decent amount of change and then, and then be the, you know, the fourth conference in the pecking order behind every, and I'll say fourth because I still think we're ahead of the, the new big 12. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you could certainly see in a handful of years that it feels like it's the SEC big 10 and then a big drop off to everyone else. Yeah, because the ACC has been pretty mediocre outside of Clemson, and Clemson obviously has come back to earth a little this year. The Pac-12 and Big 12, with I mean, the Big 12 without Oklahoma, doesn't really have much to speak of in the in recent years. Well, and so, I, it makes you wonder yeah. on the alliance front because where yeah. you could make a move, the ACC's got basketball, and we've right. got basketball, and even if the right. teams aren't good. You know, who knows what the John Shire Duke team's going to look like. Right, um, right. But Duke, Arizona sells tickets. And, and UCLA, UNC sells tickets. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you I lean agree. into the alliance with CBS and you say, hey, look, you also run in spring and fall some marquee basketball games. True, true. Well, yeah. we'll guarantee you first pick of the alliance games. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, that's a that's a good thought, and and uh, does make sense. And yeah, I mean, gonna be interesting. I guess that's the that's the overarching conclusion because um, there's so much unknown. Is you know how does this all shake out? Where does it land? TV deals and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that, I'm gonna I'm gonna read that article because uh, you know sounds sounds like it's pretty damning for ESPN. I guess. Yeah, he he is funny. And, and you know his writing, I, I, I'm always struggle with how to feel because it's so aggressive. Yes, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but he does have a funny line about how it's not the you know spokesperson's fault that I keep calling them you know all day Sunday and all day Monday <laughs> trying to get answers to my questions about what's going on. Yeah, you know he's yeah, like, yeah. but this is what's happening and this is what I've uncovered. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Aggressive is a good word for it, yeah. Uh, well, we'll be back at some undetermined time to talk about Oregon sometime. State. and yeah, uh, preview Arizona. between the Oregon State game and the Arizona game. We, we'll, we don't know what day yet, but we'll figure that out. Yeah, but until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sports Game.